Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the Forza Italian Football Podcast live. You were greeted, some of you, I'm sure, by Nicholas Carroll dancing down at the corner. So we'll go to him first. I'm Connor Clancy. And as I touched on, Nick is here as well. Nick, how's everything? Really good, thanks, Connor. I'm always happy to be here talking Serie A Italian football. So I'm glad that something seems to have just clicked with you in the last 30 seconds because you didn't seem the happiest. And then as soon as we go live, you're bubbly. I'm a, I'm a professional, Connor. I'm a professional. I just you, turn on, just like that. You've used the word professional to describe yourself twice in the last minute or two now. I'm <laughs> a bit uncomfortable with that, so we'll move swiftly on to Luca Gumby, uh, joining us from Germany. Luca, how's everything out there? Yeah, all good. Uh, I think some of that enthusiasm the Knicks shown is quite contagious. So, yeah, looking forward to getting on with this. Obviously, nothing else has happened in football in recent days or hours or minutes so uh, we can just focus on what really matters in uh, Serie A and Italian involvement elsewhere yeah well alright what happened tonight guys It's it would be ridiculous for us to do a football podcast and not at least address that so I'm completely lost for words to be honest uh, Barcelona obviously turned around the biggest deficit imaginable in the last 16, right, of the Champions League. And they knock out PSG. Nick, thoughts? I, I, I don't even have words for that. It's <laughs> incredible, incredible. I, I don't know. What do you say to that? It's yeah, I think something you'll, you'll never see again. I don't know. Luca, do you want to add to that before we move on to our own business? Uh, yeah, I don't know if Marco Verratti sort of given PSG the Italian bottling it in Europe mentality. But, <laughs> and I, I did see an opinion as well that it was uh, their fault for getting rid of Sirigu, who's now at Osasuna, I think, bottom the league in Spain, <laughs> when he's actually a far better goalkeeper. And perhaps he would have kept Fiorentina out and uh, 
stop the impossible from happening. But yeah, just amazing. No, he couldn't keep Robbie Brady out in the summer, so I'm sure he wouldn't have been able to keep out Messi, Neymar, Suarez, and the rest. Um, you mentioned Verratti, so we might as well start in unusual fashion with a listener question. It is from Daniel Jafari, and he wants to know, is, is Marco Verratti more likely to switch clubs? And if so, what are the chances he ends up at Juventus? Luke, I'll stick with you. Yeah, I suppose that must be a, a pretty traumatic experience for him. You're not going to necessarily see yourself winning a Champions League in Paris with them just having managed to do that. But I think, yeah, it is Juventus, the, the, the team that he always gets linked with. I think that would be his preferred choice. Uh, I think he has in the past played these uh, Juventus fans as the best Italian player of the current day. You could see him sort of being someone they'd want, obviously, I suppose, as well. Inter could perhaps go for him. They've, they've got a lot of money at the minute. They'd be uh, tempted to sort of make a big signing of intent and he'd certainly fit the bill. But yeah, I think Juventus would have to be their first choice. And it always seems a bit, sometimes you get these stories about him being unhappy at PSG. So it'll probably come around again in the summer and there'll be far more speculation then. Yeah, all right. So let's move on to what we had planned to discuss. And we'll kick things off by staying in the Champions League. Uh, last night, obviously, Napoli fell to a 3-1 defeat against Real Madrid. So they got knocked out 6-2 on aggregate. Which, I don't know about you, Nick, but I thought 6-2 doesn't quite tell the story of the two legs. No, not at all. I mean, you look at that on paper and you think, okay, it was an easy kind of, just a training training run for Real Madrid almost. But as you said, it doesn't tell half the story. Um, it was um, obviously in Madrid, you know, Real was for the most part the better side and... Um, you know, it, it did show for most of the match, but uh, Napoli came out, and um, you know what? Result aside, um, you know, I don't, I don't think they can be any less proud of themselves for for the way they came out and approached that match. That first half that Napoli produced was just uh, it was near perfect from them. Um, yeah, I, I mean, to 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 dominate a game and to create so many chances against. That Real Madrid outfit was incredible. So, so much credit goes to that team, to Maurizio Sarri, and obviously to that amazing crowd, which we've probably all seen um, video highlights of, you know, turning up hours and hours before the match. Um, and then obviously, look, the second half, you know, um, I, 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 don't, I wouldn't really even criticise Napoli. I think it was just a matter of, like, they gave it their all in that first half and it's just a matter of they're just not at that level where they can match it with a Real Madrid for 90 minutes and really that's that's all. It, um, they faded away. They A couple of defensive lapses on set pieces, which will probably be the most frustrating thing um, relating to Sergio Ramos uh, scoring. But um, And after that, the, the game kind of died a bit. Um, I guess the, the motivation, the enthusiasm leaves when it, it's, it's pretty much impossible to come back. But, you know, that, uh, you can only hope that that's the foundation for something um, for the future for Napoli that, you know, we've, we've seen in Serie A that, you know, we've talked about their chances of, of building towards a Scudetto challenge. Um, for the future, and we're, I'm pretty sure we've said on the podcast that you know once they can deliver you know for 70, 80, 90 minutes a match, then they can actually challenge Juventus 
for for the Scudetto and the same goes for the Champions League. We saw that in 45 minutes, 50 minutes even, you could say Napoli outplayed Real Madrid, which is incredible um, for, for, you know, where they've, for the journey they've had over the last decade, let's say, um, how far they've come. So, um, yeah, I'm, as a Serie A fan, I'm, you know, I'm stoked with how they played and I'm excited for the future. Yeah, well, it is just a matter of them taking that next step now. And The draw was quite unfavourable this year to get Real Madrid, but again, you, it's the Champions League, so you kind of expect that. Luca, how do you think... Napoli go about taking this next step to challenge for the Scudetto properly and to make it a bit further in Europe? What do they need to do? Uh, in some ways, I feel that perhaps European football kind of suits them more, especially when they get that, that home crowd they're really up for. They are a, an attacking team, and especially in recent days, we've seen lots of high-scoring matches and ties in the Champions League. So I think perhaps in Europe, they might actually be in a kind of better position as to what they are in, in compared to their, where they are in the league. I, I suppose just with Sergio Ramos scoring those those two goals from set pieces, it's just kind of a bit of a kind of defensive thing. That's what it's kind of been the, um, the sort of glare and weakness in the team. They're defensively not brilliant. To concede two from set pieces isn't ideal, especially in that short period of time. But obviously Ramos is kind of unstoppable. He always does that. But they did, they did let him get a run on them. In uh, the first goal, you see, just he just gets a free run into Albion. He's got the momentum. So I suppose perhaps trying to tie it up in the back some way, but that's not really their philosophy. It's not how Sarri's been playing. It's all attacking. So uh, I suppose just keeping all those players they are. I mean, Diawara was one of the best players across both legs in the tie. He's still very young, so he'll develop. He'll become a better player. If they keep just nurturing players like him, then they'll sort of just naturally evolve without having to make a. Huge changes. It's just yeah. It's just like I don't know. It's a sort of mentality thing where they can just because obviously they were on top in the first half, but then in the second half it just went flat and they were beaten in a, a period of just a few minutes. So it's just perhaps that kind of game management type thing and sorting out that. But otherwise, it's not like they really they really need to make huge signings or anything to to step forward. It seems that they've got what they need in place already if they can just keep moving in the same direction. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of exciting prospects in that team, and one that I've been so impressed with, and I was really glad he got to play a bit of play some minutes against Madrid was uh, Rog. Um, he he came on, um, I think it was the Juventus game in the Coppa Italia, and he impressed me so much, both going forward with the ball, his skill on the ball, but also the work he was putting in 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 defence and going back and tackling. He is so impressive, and as you mentioned, Luca Diawara. Um, I'll, I'll agree with you, probably the best over the two legs for Napoli. Um, there is a lot of exciting talent in that team, in that Na- Napoli team, if if they can strengthen that defensive kind of weakness, which, you know, it is something they have, but they can kind of get around it because they, they play such a dominant possession-based game and offensive game. But if they can get some more resources in that defence, there is so much potential in this team. So... Um, you know, the, as Lucas said, the squad is there to build off um, and no doubt and they can definitely, um, as you said, Connor, look, they were given a rough kind of draw in the Champions League and any other team, they more than likely would have gone through um, and could have could have matched it with many other teams in that competition. So disappointing that they had to uh, fall to Real Madrid so early in it, but 
so much so much potential in that team yeah um i think you touched on it a bit earlier nick but the fans the napoli fans deserve some serious praise after that the game kicked off what was it quarter to nine italian time there were fans queuing outside the stadium and then inside the stadio san paolo from about half one half two um then by about three or four o'clock there were over ten thousand people in there uh they did a trial run of the champions league anthem and as the napoli fans tend to do they belt it out but then um if anyone hasn't seen this head over to our facebook and twitter because we've got a few videos up from around naples and our youtube of course but uh, no, seriously, the fans were incredible. And when the teams came out and the anthem played for the first time, I had the, the hairs on the back of my neck were standing up oh. in my sitting room. And I told everyone in the house to knock them into the room. And I turned the volume up full because it was fantastic. And I put out a tweet saying that it's nights like that. And it, when it's hard not to love Napoli a little bit, you, you see them do things and it's hard not to want them to win. And, a great Napoli would be really good for Serie A. So if they can seriously challenge Juventus in the next couple of years, it would be welcomed by all, I'm sure, even probably a lot of Juventus fans. We'll stick with them because they did play a huge game in Serie A at the weekend and they came out on top at the Stadio Olimpico. They beat Roma 2-1. Um, Dries Mertens, who scored against Madrid, we didn't mention that, scored twice. He's amazing. So... Arek Milik was out for a fair chunk of the season after doing so well settling in at the beginning. But how does he actually get back into the team now? Because Milik is, or Mertens, sorry, is fantastic. Nick, I'll stick with you. So what is it exactly that Milik has to do to come back? It's hard because, I mean, you just it's just not fair to, to put him back in there at the moment. And... To be honest, the way they play generally, it's it doesn't necessarily suit um, a Milik-style player when, in terms of the short passes back and forth, and um, you know they don't play a lot of aerial balls. Um, in terms of aerial duels, Napoli have one of the least amount um, in Serie A. They're they're very much a ground-based team, and so you know he is he he seems like a perfect player to throw on at the end, as they have been doing when they need some goals. But, I mean, otherwise, it, it, it just seems like a disadvantage to not be playing the likes of Mertens, uh, Insigne, Callahan. And to be honest, if, if Milik had to start, I would possibly take Callahan off and play Mertens on the right because Callahan, if anyone, has been the one that's been somewhat out of form. So, um, I mean, Dries Mertens, you just... You can't take him off the field. You can't. He has to start his form. It just would. It just wouldn't make sense. Luca, he he did a funny celebration, didn't he? Do you want to? <laughs> do you want to talk about? <laughs> do you, you want to? Um, do you want to give yeah. us an example of what happened? <laughs> Luca, please. A practical example. Please demonstrate. Right? <laughs> you can't see my legs. So. Yeah, he did, uh, he did apologise afterwards for cocking his leg at the, at the corner flag, but then he explained it was just because he has a dog himself. And it yeah, was it's quite a nice story, actually, isn't it? I'm pretty sure he's always donated like a fair chunk of his wages to local dog kennels. And then I think it was only in the last couple of weeks that he's actually 
adopted one, a dog from these kennels himself. So, and afterwards he was putting up photos of himself walking his his dog. I can't remember her name around the Bay of Naples, and it was a nice moment. I'm a, I'm a dog fan myself. I don't know about you two, Nick. I'm going to go over to you just because you're eating. Um, we're going to move to Roma. They they'll be disappointed, obviously, to lose at home, especially to. Napoli, the one team that they're actually competing directly with this season. Um, Rajan Angolan and that midfield looked kind of tired, I think you'll agree. So is it a bit premature to suggest they're starting to tire because of the, the high work rate they put into every single game? Or is this something we could see as the season nears its end? Um, not really. Um, as you said, it was. I think it was the first Serie A match that Roma didn't win at home this season. It, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but to, for me, I'd, f- uh, if I'm looking at Roma, I don't see a lot wrong with that game. Um, you know, it wasn't their best performance by any means, but I've been saying all season that I think Napoli is the better team between the two. And, you know, that, that game... As far as I'm concerned, that game just kind of um, just showed me that. Um, I don't know. I'm not overly surprised. I think I think Napoli have possibly um, struggled with. Um, I mean, you look at the Atalanta game; they clearly didn't show up for that. But when Napoli do show up, it's it's a completely different team. You look at how they approached Atalanta and then how they approached Roma. Um, they certainly do. I think lift that little bit more for the for the. I don't want to offend you and say the bigger teams, Connor, but um, you have offended, you know. <laughs> but you know, um, yeah, Napoli is still to me the second best team um, in Serie A. So fair result. Yeah, I think I'd agree with what Nick said. I don't think Roma necessarily tiring or like reached a peak and now they're falling off. I don't think that's. The case, uh, I mean, obviously they've still got the uh, Europa League, which could have a bit of an impact on them. But they are without Florenzi, who's probably one of their busiest players, mm. one of the most energetic and a key player who kind of really is emblematic of that side. But otherwise, I don't think that they are. They're, they're really in a position where they're going to be tired. They've got quite a lot of depth. Yeah, I think Napoli are a bit more, a bit more fluid, and they've got more about them going in the tap. Even in that game, Roma in the end they they could have got a draw. Salah missed a few chances, and it was just a, a great save from Pepe Reina at the end to to deny him a draw. So it's not as though it was a completely tired Roma there at the Stadio Olimpia. It just failed to turn up. Obviously, um, Natalie did come out and get out them in the first half, but after that they did sort of manage to to weather it and come back into the game, and they could have easily got a point in the end. Yeah, that that save from Pepe Reina in the last minute was astonishing. Like I don't even really know how to describe it, but the best thing about it for me was as he's on the ground after landing from making the save, the ball comes back down off the crossbar. And while he's trying to sit back up, he manages to control the ball with his foot and then kick it out of play. It was just, it was brilliant. Really brilliant save from Pepe Reina. And I suppose having a goalkeeper who's capable of that and Arena has not been quite his best this year but having a goalkeeper that is capable of pulling off saves like that is often the difference as it so proved the weekend Juventus have benefited from having Gigi Buffon for years 
Inter have even benefited from Samir Handanovic at points. Um, so yeah, Pepe Reina, if he can stick around, Napoli will be happy, I'm sure. Uh, we'll move on to Inter now. They beat Cagliari 5-1. Um, Ivan Perisic, Nick, do you think he deserves a bit more attention and praise than he gets? Because he kind of slips under the radar a bit, but he's when he plays like that, he's unstoppable, isn't he? Yeah, I don't know why he kind of slips under the radar, you know, probably because Icardi, I guess, takes a lot of the headlines. But, I mean, I've, I try and talk about him as much as I can. I'm sure I've mentioned him quite a bit on the pod. Um, but to me, Perisic, Ivan Perisic has been hands down into his best player this season, um, not only in terms of his, his skill and the, the results, but his commitment, um, the work ethic he has is incredible. Um, I think we, when we were talking about uh, Menzukic a couple of weeks ago, I kind of compared that to Perisic, and that's exactly in that in that formation when they've got the three um, the three men behind the striker. Perisic works so hard, so hard, and more so when when he's got the likes of Ansaldi, Christian Ansaldi behind him, and he does so much covering for that guy. It is incredible how much he is tracking back and getting that back there before Ansaldi, making up for some, mis, you know, pretty blatant mistakes. And, um, I mean, those wing-backs are often out of position. So, but to get the back there and then the next play, he'll be leading the charge back up the other end of the box. So work ethic alone is incredible, that guy. But then, I mean, the results are there too. He, he can, on the break, he's so quick. He's so good with the ball, um, the ball at his feet. Uh, delivering crosses in or finishing. The only better finisher in the squad is um, Icardi, which, you know, is pretty much his sole job. So um, I can't praise Perisic really any higher, to be honest. So um, as I said, to me, he's been the best for for Inter this season and um, he'll be hopefully a vital part of this for the squad for a few seasons to come. I'm glad you ended by saying he's been the best player for Inter this season because you said it earlier on and I was going to drag you back to that. I presume you mean he's been the best Inter player before January, right? <laughs> because you know where I'm going with this. Um, Roberto Gagliardini, he scored a, a screamer. It was, um, if there's fans familiar with English football, it was a kind of a textbook Frank Lampard or Steven Gerrard strike from the edge of the box. Low driven bottom corner, unstoppable. I was delighted to see he scored, to be honest. Uh, do you want to talk about gags for a few more minutes? Yeah, no, look, I, th- I think I tweeted something like, if, if anyone did deserve a goal, then it, it was him. The guy, the, the guy's deserved a goal. Um, he, he's actually got himself into quite a good, a few good positions where he could have scored. He's, he's been quite unlucky not to have scored so far. So, um, yeah, an incredible shot. Um, but I mean, in terms of his general um, uh, contributions to that team has been incredible. Since he's he's been there, he's been the highest. Um, he makes the most tackles, the most interceptions in the inter team. He um, he, he gets into those shooting positions. Um, the passing has been great. He's just an, such an all round great player, box to box. He does a bit of everything, and he's he seems to have a just a, a really good head for the game. He seems to positionally, he's fantastic. He know he knows exactly where he needs to be and when, which is probably why he's always in those positions to 
to get a shot away. Um, I mean, it's it's actually quite incredible how how often he just seems to be in the right place at the right time. He just he's one of those players that just has a knack for knowing where to be. Um, so, you know, I mean, I, I can still remember when we were talking when he first signed for Inter, and we were we were like, well, is it the right move? If he's you know as a future Azzurri player, if he's just going to be on the bench, and then you know, I mean, came on Pioli gave him a chance and hasn't looked back. So. Another player. I mean, you know, you don't want to you don't want to go too far and wrap the guy and you know say he's going to be the next you know Italian superstar. But oh, he looks so good. No, I'm saying it now. He's the Italian Frank Lampard. You can quote me on that. <laughs> but I, where was I going to go? There? Oh, yeah. Um, he tended to pop up in those sort of positions with Atalanta a fair bit. I know his goal the weekend was miles out, but. As you said, he does find himself in the box at the right time, but he just ended up fluffing his lines so many times. There was a game, I think it was actually the Inter game I was over in Bergamo for, and a cross came in, and it was a header that he had about six yards out, and he just bottled it completely. And then I was at the Empoli game, which turned out to be his last, and he did the exact same thing. And it it was kind of this repeated pattern where he'd show up, Hmm. right place, right time, perfectly, and just seemed to panic when he got a chance. But... He seems to be controlling that now and he's clearly confident from the praise he's getting at Inter. But I don't know if you saw where he was last week before that game, did you? No, I don't think so. Um, Well, Papu Gomez is like a shareholder in some weird gym up in Bergamo where they put the players through like the usual fitness exercises with a ball, but then during it they'll throw in like a game of Connect Four. Uh, so Gagliardini will be running around kicking balls like color-coded boxes and then he'll go over and play a quick game of Connect Four and then he'll go over and do more fitness and then he'll come over and do Sudoku and stuff like that. It's, it looks really, really challenging and mentally draining as well as physically. But that's an interesting kind of thing. And if he pops up there a few more times this year, maybe it's worth putting a bit of money on him to score the following weekend. Um, he's clearly tuned in after it anyway. Um, on the other side of that, Cagliari, they were beaten 5-1. Uh, they've not been doing too badly this season, though. And I know the bottom three are kind of cut adrift, but Cagliari aren't too close to the bottom. I'm trying to look now. And yeah, they're 13th. They've got 31 points from their 27 games. And one of the main reasons they are so high in the table this year is... Marco Barriello, who also did a great job at Atalanta last year, came in, scored goals, and he's he's doing brilliantly with Cagliari this year. Um, Luca, what have you made of Barriello while I go and scramble to find out how many goals he scored so far this season? I, I did look that up, and uh, I think it's 12. But, uh, yeah, we were talking about Cagliarello recently, and you seem to have these kind of... Serie A veteran strikers at the minute who just sort of move around the teams and I suppose Borrello is one of them he's basically played for everyone and came from Atalanta sort of did well there and yeah it's just he's just very experienced he knows what he's doing he's very physical and uh, yeah he's just a real addition to that calorie team who have a, a lot of veteran players uh, obviously Padoin's probably one of the kind of cult heroes from Juventus' past and he's there he's playing for a role and yeah, Calgary, Calgary at home are one of the... I think they've got one of the best home records in the league. So uh, for Inter as well, to win by such a heavy margin there is certainly impressive. Most teams don't tend to 
to get very much from Calgary. It's a difficult place to go. Obviously, with being in Sardinia, the travel and whatnot, they don't travel as well. But yeah, Borrello, he's he's just a veteran who's been everywhere. He's scored wherever he's been. He's done it consistently. He's complete nomad. He moves, doesn't stay around anywhere long. But yeah, it's the same thing, I suppose. Uh, Alessandro Matri is another player. He's just played everywhere. He's scored a few as so well this season. And Serie A clubs are very happy to place their faith in these veteran strikers that they know are going to bag them a few goals and just Borriello showing he can do it. He's good enough. He's got the positional awareness and he's strong and physical enough to to do it for that Cali team who do sort of play in that kind of way. Luca, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was you and I who were at the game last season when Atalanta played Roma. They went 2-0 down and then Borriello showed up and they went 3-2 up before Francesco Totti scored late on, but he might be old, but he's keeping in some ridiculously good shape. I think we spoke about this on one of the first podcasts that I hosted this year. But Marco Barriello is in better shape than anyone else his age in the world, with the exception of maybe Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Uh, he's phenomenal. Follow him on Instagram and get a look. Nick, you've turned your mic off mute. Do you want to jump in? I just shocked that for the second time this season we're talking about Borello and he's, I'm pretty sure last time we're talking about his body and his tats mm-hmm. or something like that. His so. tattoo is rubbish, but his his figure is not. He is a beautiful specimen of a man. Uh, move on. Milan beat Chievo 3-1. We spoke about referees last week and I, I don't really like doing it, but oh my God, I didn't catch who the referee was, but there were some bad decisions in this game. Um, was it Napoli or Milan's penalty, the one that Lapadula actually scored? That yeah. one probably was a penalty. It was the, the Chievo one, which was never yeah, a The Chievo one, I'll get to that. But the Milan one, I thought, I think it was Ocampos or De La Feo, one of them. They're two, didn't they? Milan, Baca missed one and Lapadula scored mm. one. Well, basically the one, anyway, the Milan player kicked the Chievo defender. Um, it was a bad decision. But yeah, Luca, do you want to talk about the penalty Kievo were given? What happened there? Well, was a, a ball comes across the face of goal from, from the right, and I can't remember who it was, but one of the, the Kievo players sort of seems to half-heartedly throw himself at the ball, just trying to redirect it in. And there's there's a Milan marker on him, but he's not really doing anything. He's not holding him or touching him. And then ball goes out the other side to play, and you just hear the whistle going. I think everyone was just bemused and you just see this Kievo player just on the floor sort of nodding at the referee saying, yeah, but he looks pretty um, sheepish in himself. He doesn't seem particularly, uh, he just seems to be stunned himself that the referee's given it. It was just absolutely nothing there. He, just, he was just sort of going for the ball and hit the floor. But then, uh, yeah, obviously Kievo leveled from that and it was a completely bizarre decision, but in the end it didn't matter as Milan came out and 1-3-1. Yeah, they should have been miles ahead by the time Baka actually put them to one up because he missed so many chances and I suppose in one way it's good that he was getting into those areas without being too cliched but he didn't really let his head drop for so long and he kept doing things and he was brilliant until it actually came to shooting I found and then Lapadula came on and obviously scored a penalty when Baka had missed but do you think that they were dominating and I was watching it with my dad and he turned to me and said, you, you just get the feeling that Milan are going to regret these missed chances and passing up on this dominance, which I agreed with. But 
is it a good sign, Luca, that they managed to win in quite ugly fashion, really? Um, yeah, obviously, it's always always good if you can just force out a result. And I suppose Chievo are kind of the epitome of a hard to beat team. You you do expect them to frustrate opponents, but I thought I thought Backer actually he did did quite well. He took his goal nicely. He seemed to be linking up quite nicely with Delafeu, who's making a difference. And Milan adds a sort of bit of pace, a bit of just direct running, getting through, creating space on the break. Uh, there's a couple of situations where Delafeu just fed it through to Backer, and once he scored, and once he hit over the bar. But yeah, I thought I thought obviously Milan. Yeah, I guess you could say they won ugly, but perhaps if they took all their chances and scored six or something, you wouldn't be able to make the same point. So it's kind of hard to say, but I thought, I suppose Backer did miss a few, but obviously he was getting in the right areas. Perhaps it was just a kind of a composure thing. Cause the, the goal he took where he cut, cut back and then picked out the near post, going back on himself was very nice. It was just perhaps when he had a bit more time, that he struggled a bit more when he was trying to set himself to shoot and perhaps thinking too much and then obviously he missed the penalty but the goal he did score showed good instinct to get onto that knock-on and turn it home from from very close range so I suppose for, for him he he can sort of see a lot of good things he did in that game and a, a lot where it didn't quite go for him but I suppose the general kind of uh, judgment was that he played quite well and Milan seemed to play fairly well on the whole perhaps a bit wasteful but it's more important, really, to create the chances, and then eventually you'll you'll take enough. Yeah, so we'll we'll keep moving because we're going through this quite quickly. So let's keep it that way. Nick, are you going to stop protesting? You refuse to speak about Milan. Um, are you going to speak again about the next couple of teams? Sure, I can. But I'll, can I just say one thing that um, you mentioned about Milan winning ugly? I'm never. I'm not sure when they do win pretty this season, but just thought I'd, I'd just just poke, poke That's, any you know. So you refuse to speak about them. You, but seriously, of, I mean that they don't. Let's be honest. Most no. of their wins this season have been ugly. So yeah, so. fair point. But um, yeah, fair. So we'll move on to Bologna last year. <laughs> um, Nick, you're speaking about this whether you want to or not, and Lazio climb back into fourth place after winning 2-0 away. I'm trying to see. I think I have some stats for this game, but we'll, while we find that, Luca, <laughs> Luca's just like <laughs> a little message in the group chat there to say he, he's not best pleased with Bologna's results, we'll put it that way. So, anyway, Lazio, they are back and forth. Nick, talk about that while I look for whatever it is I'm trying to find. Okay. Um, sorry, I was just checking my mic was on, and it is, which is good. Uh, yeah, Lazio. They're just. It's. I was thinking today. How do you. How do you describe Lazio? And I just thought they're not. They're not a remarkable team in that there's not you know a facet of them that you're like they do that amazing, but they're just an all round really solid team that I find. I just I, when 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 I did the. They're not flashy, right? They're they're solid. You've touched on that. And Sorry? You described them as being a solid team, you know? Yeah. So when you think of solid players in that side, Felipe Anderson yeah. wouldn't necessarily be one of those, right? Before this season, at least. He would have been more of a flair player. Well, there was a yeah. stat that I thought was remarkable. Um, 
the two players with the most tackles won in Serie A this season both play for Lazio. The first one is Felipe Anderson with 65 and secondly is Marco Parolo. So Parola. Felipe Anderson is doing what we never thought he could do. Yeah. Um, continue anyway, I just wanted to interject. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Would you believe I had that exact same stat? So you've kind of stolen oh, yes. my thunder. So I'm delighted. Thanks for that. <laughs> now you look like the, you know, that's cool. I'll just... No, but um, yeah, exactly. They... They just and, and you know, there's so much credit has to go to Simone and Zaghi because they're not doing anything incredible, but they're just they play as such a solid outfit. Um, in attack, they create a lot of chances. They they can attack through long balls. They put a lot of them through, but they'll also go through the wings. Um, in defense, they're they're strong in the air. They can defend set piece as well, um, and then they will put a lot of pressure on the opposition attack as well. And then that was going to lead into my amazing tackling stats but you know um connor's got that one covered but lazio do lead the league in tackles per game so that kind of goes to show that how much um how aggressive they are in in nature in terms of putting pressure on the opposition attack so um yeah and i I will actually add to that that lucas bilia is seventh in that list um for for players that have played the entire season so that's three in the top seven top tacklers so that kind of shows you something and as I was just amazed as you in terms of Felipe Anderson being in that because it's just not who you'd expect I looked at the stat expecting to see Bilia um, and Parolo but Anderson I did not expect so and that goes to show just 
just how how well Inzaghi has that team playing, that team playing, and that's the key thing. And when when I did the half season predictions um, at the start of January, I put Lazio. I predicted them as fourth ahead of Inter, and the reason being. <laughs> Connor's still not happy because I didn't in, include Atalanta in my top eight. But that's, <laughs> um, I put Lazio ahead of Inter because I, I don't. I think there's no question that there's a there's a lot more talent in that Inter squad. But I just thought Lazio has the ability to play consistently as a team more than Inter does, which is why I'd predicted that they would finish above them. If I was going to predict now, I might change that. Um, purely because of the way Inter's been playing, but um, that kind of it's um, a mood point because um, yeah, they're, they're just a consistent consistent team, and they've probably they've probably gone under the radar somewhat. I mean, we you talk about Napoli, Roma, AC Milan, Juventus, and then you talk Inter. Obviously, always in the headlines for good or bad. Atalanta's been you know the the fairy tale of this season, and Lazio's just kind of been just just going about their business just and it, it is it's refreshing it's really um I'm kind of glad because they've had so much problems behind the behind the doors so to speak in that club um possibly some culture problems there and it looks like that Inzaghi's come in and at least in the front end of things in the in the squad he's got things sorted and um the team looks incredibly well managed and um yeah it's been really really strong for them and um they can only go. Um, they can only build from here. Hopefully, yeah. We were speaking about teams that are very good as teams rather than the some other parts or whatever. But uh, we didn't actually mention Lazio. We spoke about Atalanta being probably the best team who play as a complete unit, and Lazio are absolutely up there. But you mentioned Lucas Belia, and he is one of my favorite players. I lo- he's, he's he can be as dirty as he wants. But when he has the ball at his feet as well, he's brilliant. He can pick a pass 50 yards away easily. His technique is phenomenal. But he was linked with a move to Real Madrid and Manchester United and a few others in the summer. So to keep hold of him has been so important. And you said Lazio were a bit of a mess behind the scenes, and they were because Bielsa came in for two days or something. And Inzaghi stayed just because Bielsa had stormed off. So for them to be doing what they're doing at the moment is really impressive given how they looked in the summer. Luca, you wanted to talk about Lazio a bit as well, right? Yeah, I wrote something about them in, in the autumn, kind of just saying what you want, what you just said, and how this has kind of sort of came about in a way that no one would have predicted. You sort of, everyone was getting excited about Bielsa, and then that never that never came, and the fans were still annoyed about Lotito, but they've just, the work that Inzaghi's done there has been so impressive just to, to get them as this, solid unit and I think their centre-back partnership of uh, De Vrij and Hurt is probably one of the best around and while the rest of the team's quite solid and not particularly expressive that they're both good ball-playing centre-halves who can do stuff and then a right-back you've got Dusan Basta who's again like not one of these most um, glamorous of players but he does get up and down that that flank and he can really really get a lot done and uh, again when they played Roma in the derby like no one expecting anything of them but they just switched that back free and they looked tactically completely aware of what they were doing and confident in their own ability and they, they managed to outplay Roma so I think that they're, they're certainly a very good team that they're in with a shout of finishing third if, if Roma or Napoli do slip up which you don't necessarily expect them to do but I think 
of all the teams, they also have one of the, the simplest run-ins going into the end of the season. And yeah, they, they've certainly been um, kind of underrated in a lot of ways. And Chiro Immobile, after all the travelling he's been doing around from Dortmund to Sevilla, back to Torino with Belotti, his old pal, just to, to um, stuck in there so quickly. And um, Lazio and that, that sort of attacking front three, he's got, what, 16 goals this season. It's just simple football. A lot of the time they just play it behind he runs onto it and scores and then if they want they can bring Cater Balde Jowan from the bench they've got they've got Dev they've got some young players I think they've got a Dutch director of football so they've got quite a lot of sort of Dutch youngsters as well and yeah they just somehow kind of out of nowhere just become a a really competent outfit when it looked as though they were being done shambolically for last year and then Bielsa coming in and then leaving again it's just it just sort of seems to have come out of nowhere but Inzaghi certainly deserves a lot of credit for all he's done there yeah I, there's something weird going on when we don't prepare for these podcasts at all they seem to run way smoother um, you spoke about Chiro Mobile scoring 16 goals and 16 is very much the magic number for him at Lazio because Lazio have actually gained 16 points thanks thanks to Immobile's 16 goals. And Immobile has now scored 16 goals, but can you guys name the last Lazio player to score more in a single Serie A season? And bonus points if you can name the season he did it in. Closer? No, it's it's a long, much longer time ago than that. Nick, have you any guess? Mm. Nick, anything, no? It was Hernan Crespo in, where's the year gone now? I've lost it. It was 2001, yeah, 2000 to 2001, Hernan Crespo scored more, which, what's that, 16 years ago? It's crazy. In the glory days. Yeah, Sven Goran Eriksson was still in charge then, was it? The, the glory days. Was off, indeed. was it? It could well have been. Um, it's before my time as a Serie A fan, anyway. Um, so who are we moving on to now? Oh, Torino. Tor- Torino, aka Andrea Bellotti, because they, they, were, they won a game. They were one of them to Palermo, I think, were they? And hmm. then yeah. the rooster did what he does and scored a hat trick. Nick, you don't seem too impressed by Torino, no? Oh, I'm just, you know, I'm happy they got another win. It's it doesn't come too often these days um, since the start of the season anyway. What what are they, like two wins in one, nine or ten matches? So um hasn't been the best run of form. And, I mean, their defence is still remains somewhat of a shambles. But, I mean, geez, you're talking about Immobile with the 16 points for... Um, for Lazio, could, I, I haven't figured it out, but can you imagine if you worked that out for Torino? Because well, I'm pretty sure most of their points would um, be directly related to Bellotti goals. Yeah, I'm looking at the table. Torino have 39 points, and there's no maths to this, but I reckon Andrea Bellotti has earned them about 38 of those 39 points so far. He's yeah, been it's, crazy good. Nick, take it away. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't. I think actually my favorite quote from um, last week's podcast was um, Luke has said something along the lines of I'm paraphrasing, but um, yeah, um, he plays some pretty good football. So 
I'm gonna just repeat that. And yeah, I think it was. Yeah, he's he's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that sums it up. If we can continue with this stats theme, Nick, I'm sure you'll have no objections to that. But go for it. From his 22 goals, he has only had 128 touches in the opposition box, which is fewer than any other player in the big five European leagues who have scored the same amount or more. So he is a better shots per touch rate in the yeah. opposite box than Alexandre Lacazette, Lionel Messi and Edinson Cavani, which he's in some esteemed company in that list. Nick, have you anything else to add? Or Luca, do you want to jump in and talk about Il Gallo? Yeah, well, it's, it's just, a, I mean, all the talk that you hear from, um, you know, the amount of English um, football fans who have asked me about who is this Belotti and blah, 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 because, you know, you get all these rumours and going, and, you know, you, you can't praise the kid enough. Um, as you said, he, clinical is, you know, he's absolutely so clinical. Just half a chance is all he needs. And at his age, to show the maturity that he does, to be able to finish um, so consistently, um, you know, again, he's one you don't want to, like, just heap the praise on and, you know, ruin the kid's career. But, wow, there's something special there. There really is. You talk about not wanting to heap the praise on and heap pressure on him, but Sinisa Mihailovic, jokingly, it must be said, said after the game that the president should look to raise his release clause, which currently stands at 100 million euro. And I think Cairo himself said that if he was to offer him a contract now, he'd have put in a 150 million release clause. Um, I wrote about Bellotti after his hat-trick, his record-breaking hat-trick as well, because he did it in seven minutes and 15 seconds, which is the quickest since Andrei Shevchenko scored one for Milan against Perugia in 2000. So head over to Lucas nodding in approval. He likes that stat. Um, but head over to <laughs> ForzaItalianFootball.com and have a read of that and everything else. It was else. a bit but, cruel of him to, to do it against Palermo, to, to turn it on yeah, the goal. Yeah, I that well. like, Have you seen those like past Palermo 11s of all the players they've sold and just where they are now? That is an incredible 11. Mm, it really is. I even... Um, I was playing FIFA 15 during the week and I went to Palermo and the front three of Franco Vasquez, Paolo Dybala and Andrea Bellotti. That's only two years ago. It's crazy to see now Sevilla Champions League, uh, Juventus Champions League and Bellotti with a 100 million release clause and is probably going to top the Serie A scoring charts this year because he's got 11 more games to build on his 22, which... Actually, Torino's record in a single season is only 27. And that record, if I'm remembering correctly from Sunday night, stands since 1950 or something. So he'd be doing quite well to beat that. And at his current, he scored 22 goals in 24 games. So there's no reason to expect him not to score five in what's left 11, I think it is. So it's more than 11, isn't it? I've done that wrong. No? Anyway. Don't mind me. We'll move on. And we're, we've actually gone on for quite a bit here. So, Nick, quickly, Juve Milan this weekend. What are we expecting? <laughs> Do I need to ask? Um, yeah. Um, hmm. I'm expecting a Juventus win um, after really? the draw. Yeah, I know. Shock. No, I mean, after, after that draw against Udinese, 
I think they will obviously be keen to get back um, with some three points. So they'll be they'll be really prepped for this. I guess the one thing you could say is that they might have one eye on the Champions League, but given that they have that that advantage, um, you know, it takes a lot of pressure off um, Allegri and his squad. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, but even with Juve, I mean, you consider the amount of matches they have played, I think between um, as of Sunday, as of that draw against Udinese, they'd played four matches in 11 days across three competitions, which is kind of crazy. So you can understand them having that um, that kind of dip. So, you know, I wouldn't put down that too, too much, but they will be keen and I'm sure they'll lift for the likes of Milan, who, I mean, again, I, you know, I, you know, I, I do and I don't feel bad saying it, but they just don't impress me at all. So I think Juventus will dominate the match and should, um, you know. But then, hey, Milan, look what happened last um, last time around with Milan. So you never know, but I'm expecting a, a Juventus win. They'll be, they'll be motivated for this, I think. Yeah, so there's a few big games on this weekend, actually. Um, Lazio-Torino could be interesting. There's definitely going to be goals in that. On Monday evening, it's quite nice actually. It's spread from the Monday to the Friday, or the Friday to the Monday rather. Juve Milan is Friday night. Um, there's nothing really of note on the Saturday, is there, Luca? Oh no, just just a little the little matter of the the evening game between Genoa and Sampdoria. Can I go out on a limb? I, this is um, I attended the one earlier this season and it reaffirmed my opinion that this is my favourite derby in Italian football. Luca, continue. Yeah, I think I think you know, quite a lot of people are saying it's sort of underrated that it's actually the best. And perhaps so many people have said it that that's just the actual thing where it is now officially the best. But yeah, under Mandolini, Genoa got their first win under away at Empoli. So uh, they'll have a bit of a uh, wind in their sails. And Sampdoria, though, have been doing quite nicely recently. They've been ticking along, won in a few games. Had a few recent uh, games where they came back and scored late goals. And uh, Patrick Schick, again, the, the best striker around, came on from the bench to, to score again in their last game. But, yeah, with it being the derby, it's just it's kind of one of those ones where anything could happen. Genoa are normally the home team. Um, this is basically the biggest game of the season now for both teams. Nothing else really matters. They've not got much to play for it, so it's all going to be... On this, so it should be a huge occasion on that, that Saturday night with the, the glamorous kickoff time. Certainly, be one to watch. The, the atmosphere should be something special, and you do assume that the, the Genoa fans have managed to get over a bit of some of the, the grievances that they've had recently. So it's just going to be all the all the energy into this big match, and it should just be another 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 great derby with probably one of the best atmospheres that you get in Serie A all year. Yeah, well, if Mandolini is struggling to motivate his players ahead of the game, all he has to do is head over to ForzaItalianFootball.com and go back through our features from the last week and just take a piece that you wrote, Luca, and staple that to the wall of the dressing room. Uh, just the title will do the job. What was I was it? deliberately nice. <laughs> I know I was like, bye. That's, uh, I was deliberately as kind as I could be, but I quite like Mandolini as well. He's always one for a big occasion, so uh, even though he's been accused of having Sampdoria kind of tendencies, he'll probably he'll probably do something newsworthy in the game if, if the, the opportunity comes up for him. 
Yeah, just for those who haven't read it yet, uh, do, because it's really good. And if you weren't listening last week, the title of the feature, I think, is something along the lines of Genoa, no future and nobody's dreaming. So let's hope they continue to not be dreaming this weekend for your sake, Luca. Um, Nick, this could be the last time we ever speak to each other because Mm. Sunday afternoon is a big one, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, Inter's got a straightforward game against uh, Minnow. And, um, What's the league table say? It's just a question. Yeah, incredible. <laughs> Who would have thought if you had told me 27 matches into the Serie A season, Inter and Atalanta would be playing for position? Do you know what I actually found when you slagged me off about writing the Atalanta Europe thing last yeah. week or the week before? I wrote something in October. And the title of it is Gasparini has transformed Atalanta into serious European contenders. So there you go, Nick. I would have predicted this. <laughs> You're always going on about your predictions, but this is one that I've had that's actually working. So I'm going to cling on to that for as long as possible. No, no, you, you've, been, you've been chatting it for a while. I'll give you that. But no, it's exciting. I'm, I'm really excited for the match. Um, I'm really not. I'm, I'm terrified, to be honest. <laughs> It's. I think it'll be a great, a great match to to see where both sides are and for position as it is. You know, one point separating the teams, the Nerazzurri. It's there, there's there can't be any more to, to motivate both teams. So um, personally, I think if Inter show up and if they play their their game, they can get the three points. They should get the three points. But I should say a big but. As we've seen, Atalanta has the ability, as we saw with Napoli more than anyone, to to put a team well off their game. Um, and that's that defense guess, as well. That Atalanta yeah. backline that's going to be difficult to break down. Uh, exactly, Zello and Toloi, because they are a wall together. They really are. So um, yeah, while while I'm quietly confident, um, if I was a neutral and a betting man, which I am, I would be. I would think that a draw would be great value. Oh, I would love a draw in this. I'd be so happy. Um, I want it out in the public domain now that if Inter don't win or Atalanta win, um, you have to come on. You're not allowed chicken out of the podcast next week based on the result of this game. <clears throat> well, you know, I've had a bit of a tickle in my throat. So. <laughs> uh, but if Inter we'll win, we'll see how it no develops. Don't be surprised to see Connell Shaw in my seat next week if Inter beat Atalanta, especially if it's an embarrassing one. If Inter win, we're going live five minutes after full time. You can go live yourself if you want. I might change the YouTube login just for the day. Luca, what's been happening down in Serie B? Uh, In Serie B, uh, you still have Frosinone and Spal in the automatic promotion places, but uh, Spal failed to beat lowly lowly Pisa, so they're, they're raced to go up. Sort of took a slight hit, whereas Rona, they've now won two on the spin. And they beat Brescia away after completely looking useless in the, the previous weeks. Benevento drew, and uh, Perugia have moved up into fish, uh, fish fifth over Bari. Fish. Yeah, they, uh, they smashed Avellino. And uh, Virtus and Teller beat Bari at home, and uh, Teller have been running along quite nicely. They could sneak into the playoffs. There'll be another kind of small team if they if they did that. And uh, also in the playoff running, Navarra have been doing well. They've, they've uh, won four on the, the spin. 
down at the bottom, Ternana keep losing. And uh, Fabio Liverani's come in, the, the former Leighton Orient manager. So there was uh, some speculation that Francesco Bacchetti, who's the Leighton Orient owner, who's trying to get rid of them, and Leighton Orient might be wound up. He could end up at Ternana, but I'm not sure about that. And then Brescia are also in trouble. And I think I worked out that in the bottom three or the bottom five, actually, uh, out of all 25 games held... Um, by all of them in their last five matches only three have been won by teams in the bottom five so the teams at the bottom are just not winning at all they've had three wins between them in the last 25 that's one for Trapani one for Latina and one for Brescia but then for Latina it probably doesn't matter as they're going bankrupt and they've got a court trial date tomorrow and they, they seemed a bit doomed and uh, they'll probably be allowed to finish the season like Palmer were in Serie A but then after that nobody really knows so yeah, that's that's uh, a quick Serie A, Serie B roundup. But again, it's all quite close at the the top and uh, down at the bottom as well. The, the bottom two, the automatic places, and that are probably almost certain now. In at the bottom of the um, Serie B, the relegation playoffs, so they're they're still all to play for. Yeah, Frosinone are actually playing Bari this weekend as well, which will be good to watch. And Spal can get back on their winning run by beating Chisena, hopefully. Um, I think we're all behind Spal's promotion push this year just because it would be a great story uh, more than anything else. I think that's it, guys. We've we've hit an hour more or less again. These are getting out of control. <laughs> but hopefully the listeners are enjoying the extended podcasts. Nick, Luca, anything to touch on before we the usual wind down take that as well um, yes I would like to say um, given that many people might be watching this on March the 9th so I will say a big happy birthday to Inter who turns 109 today so I'm sorry listeners for allowing him to do that Buon uh, compleanno. Nick talk about YouTube and Patreon please well I'm sure, given the huge occasion of Inter's birthday, I can deliver a video about that. So stay tuned for that. Um, we will look to do, uh, Vieri's been doing his uh, usual team of the weeks every week, so usually Monday or Tuesday they're out. Uh, we did a bit on the, I spoke to Katarina, she came back to speak before the Napoli-Real Madrid match. Um, we'll look to do another video probably for Juventus um, and whenever we can for the, some of the big matches. Uh, we'll try and do some post-match stuff live similar to this on YouTube. So um, there should be another you know handful of videos in the next week. So please get on, subscribe. And if you'd like to assist us in creating more and better quality content, then please go to Patreon and um, help us out a bit. Um, it can be as little or as much as you want. Anything is appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. We can also get us on Facebook and Instagram by searching Forza Italian Football. Um, we're on Twitter at Serie FFC. I'm on Twitter at Con Calcio. I've also got a Facebook page that you can like. Nick, shout out your things. Um, I'm on Twitter, I guess, and Facebook. So um, on Where? Twitter, <laughs> twitter.com. 
Right, no, Nick. Right, you can piss off now. Luke, <laughs> where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, you can you can find me on twitter.com at <laughs> Right, that's it. Um, so up on the site this week, I mentioned I wrote about Andrea Bellotti. Um, Marco Jackson wrote a brilliant piece about AC Milan and the season of 1982 when they got relegated after just coming up from being relegated for scandalous things. Uh, Kev P wrote about Mark Hamsick. I'm trying to think what else is up. Vito Doria reacted to Napoli's elimination from the Champions League. And uh, there's something else coming in the next couple of days, but I forget. Luke is going to write something as well. So sorry that I couldn't remember everything. I don't know what the song is going to be. We're going to discuss this after we hang up on you all. But that's it for this week. And hopefully I'll be back next week. And Atalanta don't embarrass me uh, at the San Siro at the weekend. But until then, it's chair for now.
que parte per Peru è in tasca un miliardo che sta da lontano di odio e Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.